Okay, Fight Fans, we're here. We're at the exciting weekend slash week of boxing. We got some big stuff happening. I'm going to go through as many of these as I, as I see. And I want to talk about some of them in a little bit more depth than others. But Combat Talk Radio is back with another uh, coverage here. And I, I'm really excited about this one because I think there's going to be a lot of upsets, some shocking outcomes. Is my That's my high-level prediction is we're going to see some pretty big stuff happening. First up. The big fight, I think it's a big fight. It's on Showtime pay-per-view in the U.S., Fight TV in the U.K. This is 12 rounds of super middleweight action. David Benavidez fighting Demetrius Andrade, Boo-Boo Andrade, both undefeated fighters. This is for the WBC interim super middleweight title. So this would be the person who wins this fight is in line, basically going to be made forced mandatory for the pound-pound king Canelo Alvarez's title at 168. That's why eyes are on this fight. That's number one. Number two is David Benavides is a quality fighter. He's an aggressive fighter. He's a he's a fighter. I, when I say fighter, that's what he is. He's not a boxer, really. He's a fighter. That's what he truly is. He's going against a boxer, a true boxer in Demetrius Andre. Andre has been heralded and put up by many in the business, you know, from Sean Porter on down, who have said, this dude is legit, and that's the reason people are avoiding him for so long. Now, I would argue that there's other reasons why Andre wasn't getting fights during this, but Benavides said, no, it was an easy negotiation. He agreed to terms. He made it happen. It is what it is. And I think their hand would force because, of course, Showtime pulling out, this is going to be one of the last events that you see from Showtime. And so this is this is a big deal. It's a big deal. And ultimately, neither of them had a choice, you know, because there were no other platforms that were going to be able to give them any sort of fights other than here and now, Luther Vandross. So 27-0 for Benavides, 32-0 for Andre. And Andre is a champion currently. He's a champion that... Uh, I believe it's WBO. He's a champion right now. So, and he's wanted to fight against Canelo, but he hasn't really squawked about it like David Benavides has. Canelo, of course, said he's not going to fight any Mexicans. So it'll be interesting to see if Benavides wins this, if then Canelo, because he'll be mandatory. So let's see what Canelo does. Great fight. Fantastic fight. You know, people have said Benavides destroys Andre. I'm not going to say that. And I think the reason they're saying that is because of what happened with Caleb Plant, but Caleb Plant didn't get destroyed. Caleb Plant got overwhelmed, but it took the distance, okay? So Caleb Plant was there the whole night through, and I argue that Andre, from a technical perspective, is a better boxer than Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant tended to lose his, his uh, temper at times. Andre is very calm and collected in there. Now, he's never been in there with somebody like Benavides. I would love to see how he reacts. I'm still leaning towards Andre on this one. Not because I don't think highly of Benavides, I do, but I think Andre is just quality enough as a boxer to be able to deal with the onslaught coming at him with counter punches. That's going to be Andre's key is counter punching. As Benavides comes in, because he's an aggressor, as he comes in, are you able to time and land counters at will and convince the judges, that's the hard part, convince the judges that you're better than this dude because they're going to score for Benavides on the aggression rounds. Andre's not going to go to war as far as I can tell. I've never seen him go to war. His knockout ratio seems to confirm what I'm saying. He has a decent knockout ratio, but he's not gone for knockouts very recently. Andre is the older guy. That's going to play into factor. Andre is a southpaw. That's going to play into factor. So if you look just at the numbers, David Benavidez should easily win this fight. I'm saying from my lens, I do not give it easily to Benavidez. I give Andre a lean because of skill, boxing skill. And I could get that wrong, but that's what I'm going to call on that one. Very exciting fight. Hell of a fight. If you get a chance to see that one, it is come kind of late because the, the ring walk is estimated to be about 10 p.m. Uh, central time, which is really damn late, and that's, that's sad. But 
If you get a chance to check that one out, I do recommend that one. Highly recommend it. Then we're going to switch over to the zone. 10 rounds of super lightweight action, lightweight women's action. Uh, the rematch, Chantel Cameron and Katie Taylor. Of course, Chantel Cameron is the one who gave Katie Taylor her only loss in a very close contested, but Katie Taylor's been on the decline. I've had people up Katie Taylor. She's skilled, but I didn't see the height that people were putting behind her. And Chantel Cameron was quality that night. She's just really quiet. She's a good fighter. She really is. And so I, my gut tells me that Cameron should beat Taylor again. That's what my gut says. Taylor's older. She's she's on the slide, folks. I My gut tells me Cameron beats her again. Now, if Taylor's able to get the win on this, I think it would be a, a, it'd be an upset. It'd be a shocker simply because Cameron is just quality overall. And I don't, I think she just met her match in this Taylor. She just met her match in, in a, she just is a better person. Time will tell. Cameron's still undefeated. So if Taylor does pull it out, then you got to have a rubber match. Let's see who's really the dominant super lightweight women's action. This is in the same event, 10 rounds at welterweight action. Patty Donovan fighting Danny Ball. Of course, I do know Patty Donovan, up and coming guy. Uh, he's a little on the older side, but he's still up and coming in my eyes because he's not, he's only had like 11 fights. So I call him up and coming. He's only been in the business like four years. He started late. Southpaw, quality kid. He's going against a very young, scrappy opponent uh, in ball. He's scrappy, but the, the scrappiness tends to get him in, in getting caught and makes mistakes. He's He got stopped the one time. He had to draw another time, but it's easy to catch him when he starts making mistakes is what I see. I, I don't see a reason Donovan does not win this fight, possibly by knockout, and I'm guessing probably early, like before the sixth round. Then same event, 10 rounds at lightweight action. Gary Cully fighting Reese Mould. Of course, I know Gary Coley, big fan of his out of Ireland. Mold I have not heard of prior to this. Both young guys. Coley's coming off a stoppage loss. That was a that was a shocker to me. That was a, it, it was because he was on a streak. He was on a knockout streak, and then all of a sudden he gets stopped at his very most recent fight. And now he's on the rebound. And I can't think of a better opponent to rebound against than Mold. That's not dismissing Mold. I just think that stylistically it favors Coley in this fight, and I would lean towards Coley to get the win. Mold's coming off a stoppage, so. The heads, it's, an e it's a pretty evenly matched fight. Number of fights, number of wins, uh, years in the business. It's a pretty even fight. But I just lean towards Cully from a skill perspective on this one. Same event, 10 rounds at women's featherweight action. Sky Nicholson, beautiful, versus Lucy Wildheart. Uh, love the fight. Sky Nicholson, I'm a big fan of. I'd never heard of Wildheart prior to this. I think she's from Denmark, maybe? Uh, but... I like the fight is what it is. I'm a big fan of Nicholson. And as I looked at the numbers and the, on the books, I don't see a reason why Nicholson doesn't just dominate this, this fight. That's not dinging on wild heart. She's a decent fighter. I just don't think she's anywhere near as good as Nicholson. Now Nicholson has been, she hasn't been in the game nearly that long, but she just has a very, it's a difficult style to, to look good against. She's a Southpaw. She's rangy for, for a female. And then she's just been able to, you know, kind of not embarrassed, but she's, She's hard to hit. She's really hard to hit. If you do get her, then I think you got a chance, but she's hard to hit. No knockouts whatsoever. She does not have any power. That's not her game. Her game is to just simply outbox you. And then again, I don't think Wildheart has anything to get past that, that brilliance of boxing skill that I saw from Sky. Same event, 12 rounds at super featherweight action. Zelfa Barrett fighting Costin Ion. Uh, this one, I, I've not heard of either guy. Uh, one's in the UK, one's from, I think it's, is that Africa maybe? Uh, but I've not heard of either guy. On the numbers, it looks like a mismatch, I'm going to be honest with you, because 
when I looked at Ion, it I'm not going to call him a jobber, but that's not fair. It just seems like he's been on a steep slide down. And then Barrett, he's on a rebuild. Just recently, he got a win, but prior to that, he got stopped. And I think he's re he's still rebuilding. This is his second rebuild fight. Both youngish guys, roughly the same height, reach, everything else. If I had to call it, I'd lean towards Barrett, if only because of the numbers advantage, slight numbers advantage in the number of fights, number of years in the business, number of rounds in the books. It just seems like he has more, more experience. That's the only thing I can really give him, though. Then same event here, 10 rounds at super featherweight action. John Cooney fighting against Liam Gaynor. Don't know either guy. Cooney is undefeated. Uh, Gaynor, I've heard of, I, I shouldn't say don't know. I've heard of the guys. I haven't watched them. It's more fair. So Gaynor I'd heard of, uh, you know, passively. Looking at the numbers, uh, to me, Cooney seems like he's, it looks like he's reasonably young. He only started like three years ago. He doesn't have a lot of fights uh, on the books, but they both are roughly evenly matched elsewise. I'm going to lean towards Cooney if only because of the Southpaw stance. Cooney has a Southpaw that I think may play in to his favor. The next one. So now we're going to switch over to Vegas, the Michelob Arena. This is on Showtime and Fight TV again. And I'm bouncing back and forth because that's how the, the days and the time segments are going. So here's another huge one. 12 rounds of super lightweight action. Subiro Matias fighting uh, Shoyajin Ergachev. If you get to chance see any fight this weekend, this is the one I recommend, highly recommend. You don't want to miss this one. This is a huge fight for a couple of reasons. Subriel Matias is a straight-up killer in the ring. I mean, literally, he killed a dude in the ring. But he's a killer in when he goes out there and tries to go after you. And then Ergashev is a dominant, solid fighter in his own right. He is nobody to be messed with. And this will be a good test on both sides because we get the chance to see Matias against somebody. Now, we thought Ponce was going to give Matias a little bit of trouble. He didn't. But Ergachev is going to give Matias at least a little bit of trouble, if not the early rounds, possibly. But now we get to see Matias really tested because both these guys are undefeated. They're roughly the same age, roughly the same height, roughly the same reach, roughly the same number of rounds in the books, roughly the same rounds, you know, books or rounds of the books, rather, years in the business. Like, you can't get a better matched fight at the upper level. And I know people haven't really heard of Ergachev, and that's a shame on the business. But trust me, if you get a chance to see any fight this weekend, this is the one you want to see is Matias versus Ergachev, because I guarantee you it's going to be a war, and it's hard to call. Most are leaning towards Matias. I'm in that boat, but at the same time, I got to recognize, man, Ergachev is solid. So if Ergachev is able to do, especially his body assault, right? If he's able to do what he normally does, Matias might have some trouble, and we might get to see somebody finally put some cracks in the armor that is Subriel Matias, but I am leaning towards Matias, if only because the dude just seems to be able to break you down, and he doesn't stop coming, you know? So as long as he shows up, Literally, as long as he shows up, I don't see him ever, ever getting beaten in the current, I'm talking the current, uh, you know, generation of fighters. But Ergachev would be one of the very few that I can see might be able to do it again. They're both undefeated, so trust me, you're going to get somebody's, oh, Matias had the one loss. I don't count that. I'm talking in terms of the recent era. Somebody's got to get, somebody's got to take a, a real loss here. And I'm, I'm leaning towards Ergachev, but time will tell. Check this fight out if you get a chance. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss that one. Undercard of this one, people call this a big fight. And it's a big fight because of the people involved and the personalities involved. I don't call it a big fight I, because of all the smoke that happened behind it. But anyhow, 10 rounds at catch weight. <clears throat> and you're talking catch weight, yeah, because it was supposed to be a super middleweight. Jamal, Jamal Charlo asked for a catch weight. 
He asked for a catch weight, and then he missed the catch weight. The catch weight was 163 pounds. He was at 166, which means the catch weight didn't make no damn sense, and he should have just come in there at 168 because he knew he could. The only reason that they did the catch weight in the first place was because Benavides has never fought nearly that high. He's all, you know, he's been like at one, he obviously fought at 147. He went to 154, fought a couple times with Danny Swift, right? And then he fought, I think he fought one time at 160. So he's been kind of tiptoeing up, but he hasn't never gone to 168. Charlo wanted to go to 168 because he was having a hard time making weight. So they agreed to do a catch weight 163. The thing is the catch weight wasn't even necessary because essentially you could have done a 168 straight up and then another catch weight in favor, but catch weight for 168. So basically do, you know, a one, one side has to hit a 160, you know, seven and one, 164, you know, something else to kind of make it even. But bottom line, Jamal Charlotte missed the weight. The fight, they negotiated. The fight's still going to continue. There's no title on the line. Jamal is making his debut allegedly at 168. Of course, there was a catch weight, so that nullifies that shit. I think it's a terrible fight only because Jamal is not right. He's not right in the head. He's not right physically. He said he only trained three weeks. He, you know, he's been looking, he looks like a fucking homeless bum at the pressers. He looks terrible. His trainer's trying to hype the fight, but trust me, this dude is not there. He's not physically there. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him get rocked and dropped at least once by Jose Benavides. Remind you, this is the guy that got shot in the leg and he should not be able to drop Jamal Charlo, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Charlo get dropped because if he only trained three weeks, he came in there looking like a bum. He barely, he couldn't miss, he couldn't make weight. Like, I, something's wrong with the dude, and I I think he gets hurt. And I don't know if he loses, but I think he gets hurt. He should easily dispatch Jose Benavides, the bottom line. But with all the smoke behind him recently, I, I don't see he's in the right mind. That would be a huge upset if Jose is able to deal with him because, again, this is the guy that once campaigned at 147, beating a 160-pounder. That's, you know, whatever it is. Same event here, 12 rounds at super featherweight action. Hector Luis Garcia fighting Lamont Roach. This is a really solid fight for what it is. Of course, I know both guys. Big fan of both guys. Uh, they're roughly the same in terms of, I think it's a good match to fight overall. Uh, same number of losses, same style, generally same style. Close to rounds in the books. I think it's really good. Of course, Garcia has the southpaw stance that's going to play into his factor. And Garcia is a tricky puncher. He seems to be able to catch you at times, but Garcia also seems to make mistakes. If you're able to time him, if you can time him, like just recently he got stopped. So if you can time him, it's not going to bode well for you. Now, if anybody's able to get through that, it's going to be Lamont Roach. Lamont Roach is a very quality boxer. He's not a power shot. He's not going to try and knock you out. He's a quality boxer. Basically, you're going to have to outbox him. I've never seen him significantly hurt in his entire career. So you're going to need to outbox him. And if anybody is going to struggle to do that, it's going to be Garcia, in my, in my opinion. That's not Dingan Garcia. I'm saying that Roach is quality enough where you're going to have to outbox him. I don't see you're going to be able to knock him out. But Garcia's chance, to me, is going to be able to, being able to knock the guy out, I guess is what I'm saying there. Ten rounds of super lightweight action. This is another good fight. Sergey Lipinets fighting Michelle Rivera, who's finally coming back after his stunning loss against Frank Martin. And, of course, Frank Rivera, you know, or Michelle, Frank. Michelle Rivera. Michelle Rivera's had a rough time of it. You know, they were pushing him as this young Muhammad Ali. They gave him the clothes and the haircut and the whole nine. He doesn't speak English, but he kind of ran with it. And then Frank Martin just dealt with him, just absolutely dealt with him. And he was out for a while. He's just not coming back. He's a good kid, is he? I think it's just they buy into the hype, just like Joshua. You know, they buy into the hype, and it is what it is. And then Sergey Lipinets is basically being passed around. You know, he's kind of that gatekeeper at this point. That's not a ding on him. It just is what it is. It's a good get-back fight for Rivera. 
Uh, he should not lose to Lipinets simply because I think Rivera is a quality. He's a quality boxer. Like if you looked at the fight against Frank Martin, Rivera was moving. He was moving. He was def his defense was brilliant. It's just he got caught right. So I honestly think Rivera is a quality fighter, and I I don't see a reason he should lose to Lipinets. But we don't know where his head's at after that loss he took. So I'm I'm curious on this one to see if Rivera really can rebuild. It seems like he likes the game. It seems like he wants to be in this. That he wasn't just a flash in the pan. So I'm I'm happy to see that because again he's a good kid and I want all the best for him. Meanwhile, Lipinets is coming off a stoppage win, which was a shocker uh, because he's you know he's a little bit older. He's been in the game a while. It was surprising to see him get a stoppage this late in his career. But Lipinets is dangerous. He can get you. He can nail you with some stuff. So time will tell on this one who's going to come out on top. Again, I'm I'm cheering for Rivera. Lipinets is quality enough that he might be able to get the get the W on this one just because he's a he's a solid puncher. That's what he is. Then we got ten rounds at super featherweight action. Pablo Vicente fighting against I'm not going to try to pronounce his first name Yakovov. I've never heard of either guy on this one. Uh, roughly the same, <clears throat> except that uh, Vicente has the height advantage. He likely has the reach advantage. Roughly the same on the numbers. I don't know how to call this one because, again, I don't know either guy, but it's a fight if you like the featherweight action. Then we got, ooh, this one's a real good one. Vito Milnicki Jr. fighting Alexis Salazar. 12 rounds of super, super uh, welterweight action. This is a good one. This is one worth, fight, uh, worth watching. And people are going to look at Salazar's record and be like, what the hell are you talking about? Salazar has had losses, and he is not. It's hard for him to get the W, 100%. That doesn't mean he doesn't go out there and try. He will try his ass off. He's a fighter. He's going to try to entertain the fans because he's from Mexico. He's going to try to entertain the fans. And then Milnicki Jr. is a quality guy. He has one loss on record. That was a decision. Other than that, he's been a quality fighter. I see no reason Milnicki should not win this, but it's a good test for him because Salazar is going to test him. I guarantee you that. Then we're going to switch over to South Africa. 12 rounds catch weight. I believe this is a light heavyweight catch weight. I believe it is. Uh, Kevin Lorena fighting Sanad Gashi. I've never heard of either guy. Uh, roughly equivalent on the numbers, except that Lorena is a southpaw. I don't know how to call this one, but if you, I don't even think this is televised. It doesn't show that it is, but it looks like a decent fight for what it is. I just don't know either guy. I don't want to do them a disservice. We're switching back now to the Plant, the Plant City White Sands Event Center. Ten rounds at super featherweight action. Orlando Gonzalez Ruiz fighting Jorge David Castaneda. I uh, don't know either guy. Uh, it seems pretty evenly matched on the on the numbers, both coming off losses, both on a rebuild. This is on ProBox TV in both U.S. and U.K. If you want to check that one out, I do recommend that you do. Uh, 12 rounds at heavyweight action. This is in Bolton in the U.K. Tough Sheet Community Stadium. Nathan Gorman fighting Bodan Mjornets. I do not know. I, I've heard of Gorman. I've, I've not heard of Mjornets uh, either. Uh, pretty evenly matched, except that Miranets has less experience overall, given he started he started much later. Uh, so he has less experience overall, but even numbers, even height, even reach, etc. Uh, both orthodox fighters. Uh, this, I've never even heard of the venue. Preview in the UK, I've never heard of it, but that's what that's going to be uh, filmed on. Same thing here, same event. Uh, 10 rounds at flyweight action. Chloe Watson fighting Justine Lalaman. So this is a women's action. Never heard of either. So if you're on that uh, free view, then there's a couple of events that are happening. This is happening on Friday as I record this here. Friday next, coming up. Uh, say this is a TNT Sports 
12 rounds at lightweight action. Uh, Gavin Gwynn fighting Emiliano Marsili. Gavin Gwynn I'm aware of. Good kid. I've never heard of Marsili. Uh, it's interesting. Marsili is undefeated. As a fighter, he had one draw, but he's undefeated as a fighter. He's been in the game. He's, he's 47 years old. He's been in the game since 2003, folks, and the guy has never been beaten. Okay, he's a southpaw, so I, and I've never heard of him, but he has so many damn fights. He's probably fought regional. So many damn fights. He's not a knockout artist, but for whatever reason, he's just never, he's never been, you know. And so Gwen's been beaten a couple times. Marsili, you know, the, the fans, right? So we're talking in his home country. The fans are all behind Marsili. I, I don't know if it's a Randall Bailey situation, you know, where he just is quality at the older age because power's the last to go, but I don't see he's a power puncher. So I'm leaning actually towards Gwen on this one. And I, I'm not doing a disservice to Marsili. He's a good guy. I just think that Gwen is quality enough that he may be able to finally get a, a win over Marsili. I'm, I'm shocked to see that record, though, by the way. The last one I see on fight is 10 rounds at featherweight women's action. This is in London, York Hall in the UK. I like this fight. Raven Chapman fighting Lucy said Lakvala. I am, wow. Um, I, I like the fight because it they're even. They're they're like dead even almost all the way around. Uh, the uh, Chapman's been in the game less, less years, uh, or excuse me. Yeah, less years, sorry. Less years than Sarkhova, but I am just, I like the fight for one main reason. If you look at the, if you look at the styles of these two, they strike me both as ones that try to win. And that's rare with the women. You don't see that all too often. It's, I don't know, Sedlakova, sorry. It's rare that you see women try to win. Both of them try to win with their specific skill sets, which is boxers. They're both boxers. They both try to win. They go out on their shield, I guess is what it is. So I think it's a good fight, and I'm I'm cheering them on. I probably won't be able to see that that uh, event, but I'm cheering them on. That's what we got on deck here for our fights. And again, if you don't get a chance to see Matias versus Ergashev, man, you're missing out on a war. I'm trying to tell you right now, you want to, you don't want to miss that one, dude, because that one's going to be some hype. That one's going to be some serious business. Uh, Subrio Matias versus uh, Ergashev is a must. I see it's a must see fight. I don't think Jamal. And Benavides is must-see. I think Benavides and Andre is a decent fight, but I don't think it's anywhere close to what Matias and Ergashev are probably going to put on for you.